Yo, 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 Joburg, everybody, it's episode 222, The Playtime Diaries. I'm your host, Steve, and we've got some some audio disturbances happening. Please introduce yourselves. Well, it's Halloween here in South Africa, so I couldn't help myself but go with the Friday the 13th angle. It's Paul, being scary on... Spooktober! Yay! <laughs> and Robert, joining you from Cape Town. A nice, bright, sunny morning. Uh, I hope everyone is fresh and ready to take on the day and to take on playtime with your toys and your friends if you have any around. Yes, that's absolutely right. Two weeks ago, I undertook to uh, play with my toys at least for half an hour every single day. And I have been, to a lesser or greater degree, men to a greater degree, very successful uh, in awesome. pulling it off. I mean, had a few interruptions and a few speed bumps, but overall, the experience has been incredible. And we're going to chronicle it in this episode. But uh, firstly, I'd like to hang a lantern on the fact that this is the first episode where Paul and Robert are currently podcasting before 8 a.m., <laughs> These two guys, while we were at JoeCon 2018, our first G.I. Joe convention and the last JoeCon in history, I needed to chase them multiple times to try and wake them up. Like, <laughs> Paul managed to sleep through his alarm. Rob was an absolute zombie. I had to get physical with these dudes to get them out of bed. So, <laughs> for them to have, on their own auspices, have gotten out of bed to do this podcast like i fully anticipated being the only one here like rock up and just blink at my avatar so pats on the back gentlemen round of applause thank you ladies and gentlemen yay we did it we got well, it. one of the one of the benefits to like uh to like recording at this time is so after this podcast uh you know celia and i can go to the park and that's great because then i can take some toys to the park with me and take photos probably of them. Fall asleep on them. And probably fall asleep <laughs> on them. Yeah, that's true. And we have got all the cool people in the chats at the moment as well. So, you know, big props to the workforce for, for being able to join us at this time. And sorry for the time shifts. But we're just finding that that happy space for us to to be able Which to I be don't three think dudes. Exists, to be honest. Yeah. Like Australia and the United States share a lot of daylight. But Australia and like anything along Greenwich Mean Time, so Europe and Africa, is a problem. So <laughs> this is always going to put uh, at least one third of G.I. Joburg in a very uncomfortable position. But hey, man, this works for me. If you guys don't mind bright and early, neither do I. Anyways, let's not sweat time zones too much. Rob, Paul, new shit. And what are you reading, watching or playing? Let's get these things out of the way ASAP. Oh, hell yeah. So, um, by the time you get to watch this episode, you may or may not have already watched my most recent unboxing video. I received a very hearty box of goodies from MCDJ ACDC. Um, and thank you again, dude. Uh, so, that arrived uh, this past week. I also decided I was going to sh uh, ship stuff that I've had sitting in BBTS that was in my private warehouse that, was, that had like two days left to ship. So I kind of got a lot of new toys to talk about. So I think what I'm going to do is with the with the box of MacDJ, 
um, you know, guys, check out the video if you haven't already. And then maybe I will just speak about each one of those toys for the next three or four weeks. I think that might be the easiest thing to do. Um, because technically, I'll only be opening them as I as I use them for reviews. Um, so my goal is to free them from their cardboard and plastic prisons. Um, but to incentivize doing reviews, I'm keeping them sealed so that I can have the whole experience for our for our viewers. So um, I got so let's just say I got three new things this past week. The first one is. Uh, I got a Transformers Kingdom Soundwave. I got one of those little ones, uh, which has been sitting in my private warehouse for, I think, well, as soon as it came out, um, which was probably about, I don't know, 80 days ago or 60 days ago or whatever. What a cool little toy, though. Oh, my word. It's like a little G.I. Joe-sized Soundwave, and he transforms into like a little Cybertronian-style boombox, you know, the one that we're all familiar with. It's kind of Cybertronian, I suppose. It's also, it's weird. It's not really, it's not really a, a Walkman or a boombox, but it's got like a play button and a fast forward and all that good stuff. Anyway, what's important is its chest actually does open and it does have a laser beak in, in tape form, which is pretty rad. Like, it's just a really great little transformer. It's, it's awesome. Um, and then the other, well, I suppose we sh should start uh, playing the Heberg music. The Scare Glow and Trap Draw are now part of my collection um, and um, have been added to the ranks of my Heberg <laughs> figures. Did I just say Heberg? <laughs> wow, it is early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to my Masters of the Universe He-Man collection. Scare Glow is awesome, dude. It's totally worth the hype. You forget how much fun glow in the dark stuff actually is. So you can you can like charge him with like your cell phone light, with your cell phone flashlight, just like just charge up the head and then like set him up and then you've got like a figure that's like partially glowing in the dark and it's quite atmospheric. I gotta say it's it's been quite a bit of fun playing with old uh scare glow. And then trap jaw is just Trap Jaw, uh, Trap Jaw is great. Uh, he's kind of like the battle android trooper of of He-Man figures. Uh, well, I suppose Roboto technically is, but Trap Jaw is just a little bit more fun uh, with his little mouth and the interchangeable weapons on his right arm and the articulation is just fantastic. So yeah, so got some He-Man toys and the battle android trooper, and uh, I suppose I'm allowed to mention this now because I have revealed it in the unboxing. And it's one of the first ones that I did open, so um, that review is coming, well, hopefully in the next day or two, because uh, I'm shooting uh, uh, the rest of the photography for, for today. But I got a Cobra Infantry from G.I. Joe Classified. Uh, very cool. Very, oh, very awesome. cool. Yeah, they, they're quite rad. I mean, I've got, I've got one or two little Just issues with one. it. I got two, <laughs> actually. Oh, Which was like a major surprise. I mean, uh, MCD, you are mad. And uh, it's just so cool of you to throw all of this good stuff in this box. And man, yeah, classified, the, I'm, I'm, the classified love is, is, is returning to me, I must say. Um, uh, also got a very cool uh, bunch of stuff coming from Ryan, hopefully in the next week um, or so. I've, I've, uh, I sent it off yesterday, actually, from, from the warehouse in the States. So that's got some very cool stuff in it. And it's all classified Joes. And, yeah, 
So I decided I'm going to do all these cool classified reviews. And the first one's going to be this uh, Cobra Infantry. When you see that, when you have classified toys in hand, it makes a difference. And yeah, this, the Cobra Infantry really is a great, great toy. It's got some like one or two little ir irritating things to it. Um, but all classified figures do. And they all seem to have the same problem. So uh, I don't want to like bring this toy down with that. But wow, man all the good stuff the sculpt on this guy the just the proportion of him the weapons although not realistic are very cool weapons uh the fact that it keeps all of its gear together oh it's it's great man and it looks so cool when you got them both posed with your baroness or with your cobra commander or you know something it looks like an entourage it's it's a great toy uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it when I, uh, since I opened it yesterday, actually. So, anyway, that's enough new shit from Paul. What did you guys get? <laughs> well, I haven't received anything new. <laughs> but um, I don't know if I've mentioned before, but uh, I've started watching Cowboy Bebop, the anime, on Netflix. So good. It's amazing. It's so cool to be able to watch it again after so many years. And... Um, ahead of the release of the the live action one which they finally released a trailer that actually makes me think it's not going to be bad <laughs> because that's how i feel has, no. has made me kind of feel like Ooh, it doesn't look like it's going to be good you know but like that trailer that they just came out with was fantastic i was just like this feels like cowboy bebop and yeah i'm actually super excited to keep uh going with the anime and check out the actual live action um, otherwise, I'm still watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm currently on season three. Uh, I've just started the episode, Who Watches the Watches? Um, it's kind of like a weird episode where these people kind of like uh, worship Picard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really strange. The Picard saved me and I'm alive and we must do what the Picard wants us to do. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, uh, nothing new, but uh, that, that's what's been keeping me busy this week. Stephen, do you have anything new? Uh, do you have another Outback that you want to tell us about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have to uh, get into my new shit because Hasbro has provided for us. Uh, it would appear we have, we have several new things to talk about, boys. Uh, I'm gonna knock the Cobra Trooper, so the Cobra Officer, out uh, first, since it segues nicely with with your recent acquisitions, Paul. Any Yay. love for the Cobra Officer? Oh, dude, there's, I've got lots of love for the Cobra Universe. Uh, Cobra Universe <laughs> for the Cobra <laughs> Officer. Uh, it's basically this awesome Cobra Infantry figure, which I'm holding in my hands as we're speaking right now, but with actual real guns. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, just that's that's like that's the the first thing that elevates it immediately. Um, that and and uh, you know, it's got a it's got a look. There's 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 something to it. I think they've also changed some of the armor a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's looking cool, man. What are your thoughts? It's a handsome looking figure. Uh, it, it's certainly you know a subtle one of the releases. I can see why they didn't drum up all the kind of same fanfare that they had uh, for. Crockmaster for the bats, for a Tiger Force Outback. You know, this is a, a subtle but absolutely essential figure. Um, it will look good next to the Cobra Trooper standard release and fortunately gives you enough weapons options so that you can have one officer 
and divvy out his uh, accoutrement, his accessories, uh, out to the, the guys that were wielding Nerf guns. So everybody's <laughs> a winner. Uh, the magazines on his um, Kalashnikov are removable. It's amazing. I and really I'm like not that sure backpack. what they did with the backpack, but yeah, it's uh, it, it holsters the weapon. Sorry, I'm failing to to get the other images that I had. They don't seem to be JPEGs, so I can't open them. Anyways, um, bottom line, wonderful, wonderful figure, but definitely not the bell of the ball because <laughs> we knew it was coming. <laughs> it was the worst kept secret in the world, but it's the Alley Viper and. Yeah, the Viper is so good. Even with his small make... head. <laughs> they keep oh, making more figures yeah. that I, I keep thinking, Shots fired. Like, this is the figure I want to get. Really? I'm like, I don't like classified. It's not the right scale. But then they keep coming out with some cool figures. And I think the Ali Viper looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, so my... my... <laughs> I'm very happy that you love the Alley Viper, Rob. And I think um, that's actually a very good sign because me, I want to love it. Uh, I, I want to love it. I think, it's, I think uh, it, uh, on paper, it's got a lot of really great stuff happening for it. Um, and, I'm, and I'm always scared of like sharing my thoughts on, on the podcast sometimes with a toy because I'm worried that I make people, you know, that, you know, when you, when you talk about stuff with some kind of, I don't want to say authority, but let's just say almost authority. Uh, it kind of gets people stuck on that, you know, like when you watch other people, uh, other YouTube videos, or you listen to other podcasts, and they mention something about a figure, or you know, if you spend some time with Stephen oh, yeah, talking about I, a toy. I no longer. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer have my own opinions. I literally go to like five or six other sources, and I just parrot what they've been saying because. <laughs> That's 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 basically what the internet is for. It's for people feeding you your opinion, and we're right? doing it right now. We are prolonging. We're extending this 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 notion that like, yeah, now you can just latch on to like-minded individuals and they can do the talking for you. I, absolutely, I'm a firm believer of that. So yeah. So with that all said, I'm just disappointed that he's got a small head. It really upsets me. I just feel like if it's if he's wearing a helmet. It should just be a bit bigger and it would look just a little bit cooler with a bigger head and if i you know if i can get my hands on on an alley viper i'm gonna probably remove the blue on the visor um but that's like literally the main thing that bugs me it's like i love the color i love that they didn't try to make it realistic or anything dumb you know i i dig that it's orange i mean that's what an alley viper should look like and I think it's cool that it's got like a computer screen in the shield, which is completely oh, yeah. unexpected. Uh, I think that's a really niche feature. Love the weapons, though. Oh, my word. It's so cool to have like those guns. Um, and that's that's the benefit of something like that. You know, like you're going to get this awesome Alley Viper. And, I, and I'm pretty sure like, listen, I, I can say with some authority that when I when I get one of these, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying it's more when rather than if. When I get one of these, I've got a feeling that in hand, I'm going to fall in love with it. Because I don't know what it is, but sometimes the photography on these toys is amazing. And you know exactly what you're getting. And sometimes, not so much. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with any of the shots here. Like there, with the visor open, it looks awesome. 
Um, and that's weird for me to say, because I'm normally a visor down guy for Ali Vipers. So, yeah, so in these shots, I feel like, okay, cool. We've got like, uh, I've, got, uh, I've got my niggly things, the things that bug me, but I know that in hand that might change. Uh, I can say, I can definitely say that about Flint and Lady J. I'm just looking at them in the box. Um, the proportions, uh, the, there's something about seeing them uh, in the real that you go, oh, wow, these are actually a lot slimmer and a lot neater than I initially felt they were when I saw them in the pictures. So I'm still open to this figure, like really blowing me away. Um, but well, the, the gear bat, is the ultimate yeah. realization. I mean, mm. you, you sort of gushed about the guns. Well, they, you know, they deserve just a little bit closer look under the microscope. Like not only is the grapple hook launcher removable by the looks of things, but they've incorporated the feature from the 1989 original, which is that the hook is, is well, in 1989, it was inexplicable that that was a, a separate molded piece. That was just asking for trouble. But now yeah. you can string it up like there's uh -huh. a there's an eye on the, the the neck of the grapple gun which no doubt you could rope you know to the the hook and actually have a functional like pose set up you know you could have him dangling from this thing or better yet run it through the snap links on his belt for like yeah, a, he's got a carabiners fast, yeah exactly like a fast rope descent he can be like you know clambering down a wall or smashing through a, uh, a window <laughs> defenestration as Larry Harmer uh, taught me. I love and that word. Shields very much a level up by having the, the shield now have a readout. Yes. The shield, as you all know, has this kind of targeting readout on the back of it. So there's a lot of tech in what on the face of it just looks like, you know, urban pacification. This guy's got all the toys Mars has to offer. And by painting over those, because um, I think his legs are the same Viper legs that they've been using. So the inner thighs have those patches, which are on the wrong oh. side. Oh, but yeah. by painting it the same color, you can't actually see that. I think in, in this shot, especially, you can see the, the, the patches there. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. at least 50% less irritating. I agree. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, like, it's just... It's just like chafing protection, you know, between his legs. So when he, when he, um, uh, abseils or something. <laughs> Ooh, the, the, when he's making a... Joe his bitch, taking him for there... a hard ride. <laughs> now there's a classified toy I cannot wait for is the Viper. Hard ride. <laughs> not, <Sorry>. not hard drive. G.I. <laughs> <G>. Joe's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, the, the Cobra Viper is something I'm very excited about. Uh, Get but, out there, hard ride. <laughs> hard ride. <laughs> I had an idea. Uh, you know, it's funny that we joke about this because I kind of got an idea for a future topic um, that I want to spring on you guys, and it has got a lot to do with code names. And I'm just seeing somebody come up with a hard ride. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, um, guys. It also, live on G. It happened live. It happened here. Um, uh, also. Uh, just as of this morning, checking out Facebook quickly, I see Ryan has been having, and that's Ryan Sweeney, uh, for those of you who don't know who I'm referring to. He's, uh, he's been rocking uh, his barbecue figure, his barbecue, nah. and uh, it looks cool, man. That looks like a lot of fun. Uh, so 
power to you, Ryan. Sorry, I just sort of saw that now. I was actually looking for other images for the podcast, and I was like, wow. Um, barbecue is doing the thing. Um, and how do you guys feel about the bat? I mean, now that we're actually seeing the bat in the proper deco. Unless, I think it's still amazing. It looks really good. Good job. I was... Bro. Yeah. Guys, it's, it's the weirdest thing about a rig color. It's like, I, I'm down with the... Uh, when I say I'm down with the Python Patrol, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it looks decent. Like, you know, I, I don't want to poo-poo it. But seeing it in the original deco, and it's just, wow. I... I love the modern era, I love the vintage, and they've knocked it out of the park with the classified. So, wow, it looks like Bat is consistently good throughout uh, each era of G.I. Joe. So, wow. Yeah, no, Smart I, move, leading with a exclusive uh, and a repaint, because mm. obviously everyone would just pounce on the original. So by delaying that and sh sort of sending us the target exclusive python patrol version yeah yeah that's how you move product basically <laughs> you get rid yeah, of the, exactly. the undesirable one first mm -hmm. and, and look that's un, an unfair thing to say it's not undesirable but next to the og colors and this new python patrol i i shudder to think anyone would pick the python patrol over the og yeah, I suppose. Uh, my kind of Joe fan, just like the counterculture guy who's like, yeah, Eco Warriors are the best sub team. Yeah, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, dead. Oh, guys, no. pops. Ooh, they're coming for you. <laughs> well, the disadvantages of, of podcasting in the afternoon in my particular area. Yeah, That's ambulances. When all the criminals are active. Ambos. <laughs> Ambos. The cops. Hey, the guys just with the V8s on their Sunday afternoon ride. And the bird life. My goodness, man. Oh, yeah. So, Speaking of bird life. About that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys, I just want to swing it back to this Cobra series, uh, to the classified Cobra officer quickly. One th uh, there's something I forgot to mention with this. The Cobra infantry that we got is very good and it's a great um it's a great almost like modern rendition of the the cobra trooper that we know and love you know he's got all of the modern sort of boxes ticked the, you know the armor has got all of these this interesting detail that makes it look like like some kind of futuristic bulletproof vest and you know all of that good stuff but looking at the cobra officer it does actually lean more into its classic roots you know, yes, you've got this great armor plate on him, and he does look like he could, you know, he, that, like he's more robust in some respects than the than the infantryman. But he's definitely got more of that classic edge going for him. And uh, I see there's one one thing that they've they've fixed on here that is also worth mentioning. I don't want to. I don't know if it's so much fixed, but it it does stand out. Is his knife sheath is no longer on his left breast, um, sort of like strap um on his webbing and i know like i just having a brief conversation with mr bart simon uh yesterday about some placements of uh the holsters and things like that on these guys uh yeah it, it seems like you know he mentioned the annoyance of that knife uh, being there steve i know that you've had irritations with certain placements of uh, knife sheets on the modern era of joe's at one stage as well um, and it's good that I think it's a, a good move that Hasbro, Hasbro actually removed that. 
think um, I, I think Hasbro definitely listened to the to a lot of the toy reviews for for the original Cobra Infantry, and I think there was uh, quite a lot of uniformity. <laughs> Not uniformity, but a uh, I think there was a global voice there in in having that removed. Anyway, it just it was worth mentioning because uh, this is more of your classic Cobra uh, Cobra Trooper, and it looks great. Um, I do sort of miss the Sub-Zero looking mask uh, in favor of the sort of uh, bandana across the face. But anyway, whatever. Just wanted to swing that by quickly and get some like last minute thoughts on that. Sweet. Yay. Also watch Dune. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look, I ducked out of the podcast early <laughs> last session. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but I did catch it in the edit and oh, you got me salivating for Dune. Unfortunately... My cinema is only getting it on the second of December. Oh, oh my word! Yeah, oh, hell, gone are the days of global releases, guys. It seems you know, hit me. Look, it it came out in Europe about a month ago. It's come out in the rest of the world, Australia included, uh, now. Uh, but yeah, my my shit kicker town doesn't have it until December. Anyways, it gets your recommendation, and why should it not? It's. Uh, you know, reimagining of a classic and in the right hands. What Damn is it right. with Villeneuve and, you know, doing right by 1980s turkeys? Yes, I said it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dune and Blade Runner are tough for me to sit through. The the original, well, I don't want to say, the, yeah, the original 1980s movie is a, a whole different creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it is. I think I've sat through it once. I mean, I, I like the toys a lot more. I think Steven's brother actually got a whole bunch of the original Dune toys. So and cool. Actually, they're, they're pretty decent. Uh, I've been corrected in the chats. Darren, our, uh, our local yokel, uh, Mr. Australia, um, has corrected me. Yeah, it looks like it's a national release in December. I guess the guys who I listen to on the Weekly Planets must be using a VPN to watch it via HBO Max. That's it. Those bastards always ahead of the curve anyways um shall we shall we do it the main event gents are you ready i'm, I I'm so ready. ready i i've yeah like <laughs> the, sorry just before we get there and and my brain is just a little bit foggy this morning okay it is very early in the morning <laughs> um guys i just, i'm just curious you know hasbro pulse has been doing all kinds of mad stuff uh, lately, I mean, you know, we just briefly touched on the Alley Viper and the Bat and, and our excitement with that from PulseCon. But there's something else uh, that I have a huge fondness for uh, that Hasbro just recently announced. And that is a proton pack from Ghostbusters. It's coming at a very, I think, very fair $399. Um, it is just a pack. Um, they've added a lot of stretch goals and, and whatever's to it. It only needs to get 6000 uh, guys to vote for it so you know i don't know <laughs> i can't understand the economy there like i think hasbro should have just i yeah i don't know then that doesn't that seem weird that like the sky striker needs ten thousand backers and it's cheaper whereas the proton pack that's more expensive it makes six and anyway it's kind of <laughs> making more sense now but at the same time ghostbusters is a much more much bigger and more popular franchise uh, in, in a lot of respects, especially because it's got a, what appears to be a good movie coming down the pipe. Um, 
So yeah, so I'm kind of looking at that and thinking about getting one because if you guys what remember, makes you feel Afterlife is expected to be a good movie. I don't know. What are you basing this on, Paul? I'm gonna call you out. Uh, the trailer seems to capture a lot of the spirit of what Ghostbusters is. It's not, uh, you know, and it's it's ticking a lot of the right boxes. And there's been a lot of early screenings for fans, and a lot of guys have been talking about how it actually is the Ghostbusters movie we want. And they were very smart with that. Um, Sony was very was very clever there to to get select groups of fans to be able to watch that film a month or two in in advance ahead of its schedule uh, ahead of its scheduled release to sort of see you know how popular and how well it's going to do in the eyes of fans. And a lot of fans are raving about it. You know, obvious. I mean, it's it's the world, right? Not everybody's unanimous in that, but. I see the general consensus is that this is the Ghostbusters film we've been waiting 20 years for. So, you know. And as um, regards the Hasbro Pulse kind of onslaught, I mean, we've definitely seen a case of the Empire Strikes Back. Like, Big Daddy Hasbro are all too aware of these independents with their Kickstarters uh, eating Hasbro's lunch. So they are the IP holders of all, well, most of these um, these properties. And yeah, they're gonna they're gonna ride that cow, milk it to death. So yeah, proton pack, sky striker. But something occurred to me, and this is the genius of the bunch at Skeletron, who are doing their Robo Skull, and so cool. who have managed who have managed to get it to span at least two scales. There's a third scale, but that's neither here nor there. Basically, the two hot scales, you know, the old god, three and three quarter inch or four inch scale. And then the the current new royal highness, the six inch scale, their Robo Skull is compatible with both, and all mm. of a sudden I think the big boys are going to need to play catch up, because it occurred to me that while the Sky Strike is all very fine and well, it's cater catering to a finite number of collectors, a very vocal number of collectors, and we're about to find out exactly how many of them there are in terms of raw numbers. Uh, this Kickstarter will be a very, very good acid test um, to find out how many fans of O-Ring Joe actually exist and are prepared to vote with their dollars. But mm. if they had done a project that could span two scales, oh, home run. Think about this. A six-inch scaled his tank so that at six inches, it is the bog-standard his tank. And you can put one figure in the cockpit, one figure in the gun, and two riding the back sill. But you have an interchangeable cockpit area that once you switch it out, you can fit three four-inch figs. And the that would turret be cool. all of a sudden becomes a comm station. And you pull the turret out and you can fit guys into the belly of the craft. Uh, maybe even a, a back gate or a hatch that opens to further access seating down there. And all of a sudden, you've got a vehicle that is not only essential to both 6-inch collectors and 4-inch collectors, but something that most likely people want to have multiples of <laughs> so that they can have them in both configurations. Because let's face it, if you've got a 6-inch display, it's purely a 6-inch display. You're not going to, unless you're focusing on specific characters and you're like, this is my Zartan corner and I've got my Sideshow Zartan and I've got my Movie Zartan and I've got my uh, Classified Zartan and I've got my SDCC Zartan, whatever. 
you know, unless you're character specific, you are going to dedicate one display area to one scale and another display area to another scale. So that's two his tanks at least that you've sold to collectors of both scales. And you definitely have sold them to both uh, the four inch fans and the six inch fans because everyone who is a watcher of the cartoon knows that on occasion you had these kind of like juggernaut size his tanks you know these battlefield like nerve centers um that would house multiple troops and had multiple turrets sticking out of them um forgive me if anyone can hear the guy next door using bloody power tools on a sunday afternoon how dare you but uh we're just gonna have to deal with that <laughs> uh, new, new time and all. Anyways, that's uh, that's where I rest my case on like how it's nice to have the ultimate realization of the Sky Striker, but there's so much more that could be done in this uh, in this vein. I feel you on that. Also, like Ryan brings up that uh, they don't have the the neutrino wand, which will be an additional 160. I know that currently Spengler's wand was available on BBTS for 120. I know because I was sort of passively eyeing it out over the last few months. Um, they sold out now, ever since the announcement of the Proton Pack. And that the hose is a stretch goal. And that, yeah, that's a bit like, that is a bit cheeky. Uh, and there's a part of me that still would like to build the pack, perhaps, um, and see how far I could get with that. Not that I'm, I, and I'm not trying to be like one of those snobs that's like, oh, I'm sure I can build a better pack and blah, blah, blah. It's just, yeah, there, there are some elements to the HasLab version that are putting me off. And one of the biggest things that's sort of putting me off getting it is it's got a cutoff date for the 14th of December for $399. I would still really like to, my intention is to get a, uh, is to get a Roboskull. I nearly called it a Skeletron. <laughs> is to get Skeletron's Roboskull. I really want to back that, um, back that monster up. I think it's such a cool looking toy. Never mind the fact that we're just supporting a cool toy company. I just love that thing. It's really awesome. Um, and it keeps growing on me even more, which is something I didn't expect. And maybe somehow it would be cool if we could also grab a Sky Striker, you know. And, and now it becomes a, a thing of, well, you know, we could try and get a Sky Striker and a Rubber Skull or a Proton Pack. And I feel like you know the the robo skull and the um and the sky striker would serve us better and i know that like as as a fan of those things in 5 years time i'll look back and be like i'm glad that i got the sky uh, sky striker and the robo skull especially when i see you know like sky strikers online for like probably like $900 because it's a haslab exclusive um and and you know by that time i may have actually bought a really cool looking proton pack as well so there is that side of, of the argument as well. And um, also just on the topic of the Roboskull, did you guys catch Jason Muse, a.k.a. Uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob fame? Uh, he did a, a they, he did like a little bit of a, 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 what's it, an appraisal of the Roboskull, I, I think is the best way to put it. He's awesome. He's just like, he's so into it. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, it is doing its rounds on YouTube and on Facebook and whatnot. It's it's really cool. Yeah, he geeks well, out. It's your stamp of approval. I mean, I know like Kevin Smith is a it's a bit of a Marmite character these days. You either love him or you hate him. Um, and Jason's obviously irrevocably linked to Kevin through the you know the Viewer Skew films. Um, so 
yeah, if if he's hyping a toy and you're loving it, that that's cool. I'll, uh, I'll drop that thing. link in the description below. Nice. Uh, Snoochie boochies. But yeah, <laughs> Steve, I think you wanted to talk about our toy diaries. Well, toy I'm going to diaries. I'm going to kick the mic over to to our buddy Rob initially, for the simple reason that this process prompted me to remember maybe a conversation that we had or at least an agreement or at least a kind of a an optimal time of day for gaming do you remember rob like what would you say is the best time of day to start playing with toys i think if i'm i'm trying to remember correctly but i think it's usually like about sundown because you can kind of have like the afternoon light to kind of do like afternoon type battle type things and you can kind of go into evening and then you play out nighttime stuff. Because I, I think having different times or at least different lightings for your playtime is actually pretty awesome. I mean, I know most of the time we ended up playing in the middle of the night, um, you know, like midnight and later. But I think transitioning from like light into dark, I think that's what we decided back then. Well, that, that feels kind of right to me now. Yeah, man. Heartily agreed. It seemed like that was the sweet spot. You know, Elle would come around, we'd faff for a bit in the afternoons. We'd finally get into the zone by about 5.30, 6pm. Play for an hour, an hour and a half in that golden hour. Very cinematic, very evocative stuff, like getting into position. And then, and then it would be supper time. And more often than not, like... My folks uh, had enough food for, for the three of us. So we'd have a hearty meal. And then, then it was night. And then it was time to light the fires and kick the tires. It was, it was action stations. <laughs> and, you know, we'd use a, a mixture of lighting to, to kind of create the environment, be it um, torchlight, be it lamplight. Sometimes we'd light candles. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, just to get that added level of atmosphere. Like nothing like a flickering um flame to just add that next level of ambience be it a zombie kind of adventure or just like um you know a nomadic unit that are lighting fires for cooking or for warmth and we're sneaking up on them in this these kind of moving shifting amber shadows and light yeah no it's good uh tim wilde's got a great question in the comments welcome to the show tim Lol, how many weapons were lost due to finding the right ambience for your playtime? <laughs> we became like accountants with our weapons. Like mm. we would have a tally. And and this this is also something that, that, that we were quite hung up on as well. We had little containers which we fit all our necessary gear in. Uh they were Playmobil boxes actually. And do you know, Rob, that to this day that Playmobil sculpt is still, uh, it's, you can still get them. What? That's why I got, I got one as recently as last year for my birthday with my DeLorean, with my time machine. Cool. <laughs> uh, of course, the stickers don't say Praparet or Praparet. Was it? Goro Goro. Expedition Goro Goro. <laughs> as the classic cases did. But yeah, those silver hinged snap together cases um, are still available. Incredible. It's like a bit of a lunchboxy type vibe, if memory serves. Absolutely that, with yeah. a handle yeah. on either side, which you dare not use a, an O-ring figure to try and handle, because yeah, that, that shit is specifically designed for Playmobil figures. 
Anyways, I remember like we would jam our handguns, our sort of small accessories, binoculars, whatever, in those boxes and just have our primaries in our figures' hands. So we'd swap them out as needs be. And you'd make sure that, yeah, your final tally always matched. Like, yes, I had two knives, two pistols, I had a silencer, I had a radio. That's what was in my case. And you check that shit off. It, it, most of the time, I mean, it, it, it was what we were doing was memorable enough in the moment that even if you'd lost something and you we come at the end of the night and see, you still have an idea of where you used it. You know, like, oh, yeah, I remember I, I took the knife out and I stabbed that dude on top of the fire oh. and he burned to death. And it's like, do you okay, remember having to retrace to our? Do you remember how, having to retrace our steps? I think I think I was a bit of a stickler <laughs> in that if, if something did go wrong, something did fall through the cracks or into the grass, like that's where crack. we paused the game. We stopped. Yeah, you had to find it straight away. Yeah, well, we didn't resume until we accounted for it. So yeah, <laughs> things did get lost, but more often than not, we we managed to find them. Very cool. Yeah, we uh, Dave was the accountant on on that one for for us when we were kids. Uh, we were very specific, and there were there were inside weapons and there were outside weapons. <laughs> outside weapons mostly core stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's um, actually a smart way of doing it as well. Um, mm. You only play with the, the stuff you don't mind losing outside. Well, look, Man, I, I I got we got even smarter at one point, Rob. We just like didn't put weapons in the guy's hands. And yep. uh, that actually came back in my own playtimes over the past two weeks because you find that when you're alone and there's no one else to kind of like put on appearances for you, a lot of the game happens in your mind. <laughs> so there's a lot of shorthand um, that you allow yourself to use. Mm. Yeah, man. Paul, like... how do you want to break this down, dude? Do you want to do a day, day-to-day, blow-by-blow? Um, I you see yeah I I would love to do that but <laughs> like I've uh, the the last month has been a bit of a whirlwind so I've been doing this sort of overarching story um personally like I've just been doing this story that's just be, sort of been simple to kind of do and uh what what my playtime was was actually just a way for me to unwind for, uh, unwind from my work stuff uh it was also kind of I would say uh a good and a bad thing that we had uh, load shedding this past week um, and not just load shedding we had like stage four load shedding so it was basically two hours on and then like two hours off and that would happen like three times a day um, so yeah just to unwind I was just kind of grabbing you know the my three or my four core characters and just sort of you know just filling stuff in so I don't really have like a, a daily log of them I just have I kind of know where they sort of are in the story because the days kind of blurred a little bit into each other last week for me. Um, so, yeah, so for me, I would prefer to do an overview, but I, I feel like you kind of got a bit of a day-by-day um, thing going. Which is so, why I think I'll round us off. Um, so, Paul, why don't you give us your overarching? Cool. Okay, so something like what happens is, is that, well, okay, how do uh, this is like, guys, I mean, this is going to sound so haphazard, okay? But anyway, um, on my desk, I've had this, uh, I, I took out Dusty, and then the other day I brought the, the camel, Desert Camel, uh, from from my folks' place uh, here. And so this is like really inspired a bit of a Dusty story. So what's been happening is there's this group that's moving around some, like, 
I don't want to say it's it's a village in a in a desert country. I'm I'm just going to call it like it's some Saharan country. I don't even have like a, a name for it. And there's a lot of interesting movement there. And dial tone has been like picking up weird chatter, um, you know, through through the dark web and whatever's. And he sort of taps into Dusty to just sort of like go and monitor the situation. And then we find out that it's actually the Dreadnoughts. The Dreadnoughts are operating in like Saharan Africa. I know, it's crazy. Um, and they're sort of moving like, you know, they're just uh, like there. They're just causing a little bit of havoc, but they're not like really messing the town around. They're just sort of supervising these deliveries that are going down. So obviously like Dusty's intrigued. So he's like been investigating that and, and uh trying to get in there but he doesn't realize that actually and Dalton doesn't realize this either but Chuckles has been undercover in that like whole smuggling operation and basically what what's been happening is that these guys it's it's actually not Cobra um, it's another faction that's actually hired the Dreadnoughts to um, move their stuff around and unfortunately I don't have toys for these guys so that's all been like played in my head but Chuckles somehow gets himself into a really, really bad situation. And he's just really lucky that Dialtone happened to pick up on that chatter. And so Dusty is sort of on a mission to go and rescue Chuckles from these smugglers. And uh, the, you know, it's, it's sort of in my mind, it's playing over like the span of 12 hours. So it's very hard to get any other G.I. Uh, Joe reinforcement because it's going to take them you know, at least like 10 to 12 hours to get um, Joe's into that country. So yeah, it's a solo mission for Dusty. So it's kind of Metal Gear Solid-esque as well. And um, yeah, I've been having lots of fun with like Dusty on the camel. And like, he's like moving around and he looks like a, like a, uh, what's the, a good word for, he, he just looks like somebody that's part of the desert. Like he's one of the locals. He's like, he's dressed up and he's disguised and you know, he, he's slowly trying to infiltrate this, this group, but he knows that he, but he suspects that the Dreadnoughts might recognize him. And so I've just been like having fun with that. And now where we're currently at is um, the, the Cobra have sort of surprised Cobra have revealed themselves and uh, they, they have chuckles on file. They know who to look for. And now they've, ca they've actually captured him. Um, they've taken him from that, that smuggling group and now they've, they've sort of guarding him. So now Dusty is trying to sneak around to try and, you know, save Chuckles without Chuckles getting his, his brains blown out because Chuckles is kind of tied down and he's like, and he's being interrogated and all kinds of stuff. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, I know it's not terribly exciting, but it's been a lot of fun for me to like play Paul, with Desert I Camel. Questions. I got questions, man. Well, first cool, man. like at the outset it sounded like you might have been doing a prelude to blazing sand because it oh, does cool. open with with dusty on the run from like three dreadnoughts in what two yeah it's a oh, that's correct and hey. buzzer. They're, they're in pursuit so like the prelude to that in my mind at least is that yes dusty was in country and he's doing some desert you know uh, uh human intel you know, he's, he's mm. combing the desert. He's, he's picking up signs of, of passage and movement of, of men and equipment. And the, the Dreadnoughts have been sent out to just quietly put him down quite discreetly. Mm. 
uh, and that's where Dusty jumps in the Ore Striker and, and Crankcase burns it. They call him the Tomahawk, and the game is afoot. Um, <laughs> watch Blazing Sands to find out what happens next. That's so cool. I yeah, wonder why well, you, you, you're taking it in a new direction, and that's that's interesting. It's become like a Chuckles, you know, find the the the, the mole and interrogate him uh, kind of situation. My follow up question though uh, for you is: Did you act out the scenes? Do you have sequences of like Dusty on the camel trekking through the desert, like yeah, like just like his inner monologue? His or, or is he is he quite? you know is he quite stoic and silent the whole time um just like you know is this is this basically like no country for old men you know there's long drawn out <laughs> scenes of just silence um Josh it, 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 it's kind of it's, the desert. it's a bit of a mix of that because i i also wanted him uh, like in my mind and i think this is also a little bit dune inspired now because of seeing arrakis but yeah i just have him trekking through the desert and thinking about stuff like okay cool um, you know, I got to be careful. I got to watch out with my water. Got to watch out with like, you know, I'm moving through the day too much here, and uh, you know, got to stay out of their eye line and stay behind certain dunes. And you know, I've had him like ha have that kind of in a monologue, but at the same time, he's like, oh, gee, you know, like when he when he realizes that you know one of his own or one of the of that chuckles is is actually in trouble then it changes everything up for him because now he's like the slow sort of approach that he wanted to use is now kind of been destroyed, you know? In fact, um, I think at one point I was considering using a vehicle for him and I just don't have any cool vehicles for Dusty that I could use for the scenario here at the house and that's oh, actually why I ended up using... Oh, right. I was going to say, you've got the FOE striker, but now you're spread over that, two different houses. Yeah, it's at my folks' place. <laughs> so, Desert right. Camel, it, it is. Um, <laughs> and, um, it's actually quite funny because Celia gets home and he's on the, he's on the, on the kitchen counter because I sort of just like, you know, in different points in the house, I'd pick up this toy and play with it. And she gets home and she's like, oh, I didn't know you had a camel toy because there's like dusty on the camel and it looks it's such a cool like it's actually a lot of fun i've really been enjoying that desert camel <laughs> um dude animal companions man for the win like i think that is the the biggest takeaway from the has well, the, the PulseCon is that yo. like how much an animal enhances an action figure's appeal like, how many times have you heard in recent comments threads, like, oh, I didn't think anything of Croc Master, but that crocodile, like, mm. that is a selling point. Gotta have that croc, gotta have that croc. So, smart move. Um, and yeah, man, just like taking it back to a technology, or not even a technology, a beast of burden. Like, Dusty all of a sudden becomes this ancient warrior. Uh, it's a very cool and evocative image. So, I totally get that, Paul. My next question mm. is, how many hours of game time do you think you've put in? I would say probably, uh, like, to be fair, I think I've put in a good, like, two, three hours. And, like, that's just, like, messing around. Because I also um, sort of toyed around with the sequence. Uh, like, and, and it's weird. It's like it's part of the story. But it kind of happened before the story did, which is kind of what inspired the story was uh, Celia and I went to the park uh, from, uh, on my birthday uh, last weekend. And uh, 
uh, actually, because you know we spoke about this uh, even before my birthday happened. So, I, I, uh, my, you know, I, I had the cobra claw, and that's been bringing me a lot of joy. So I took the cobra claw and chuckles with me to the park, and I was flying it around the park and just having fun with it. And Celia also actually was like, "Oh, can I fly that around?" And I was like, "Totally, go for it." And I actually got some pictures of that. I like the fact that Darren, I mean, because of all the talk of Dune and Dusty being, well, Dusty Atreides almost, the fact that yeah. uh, Darren says that Dusty needs a thopter, and I assume <laughs> he means an ornithopter. Ornithopter, uh, yeah. To which I replied, at least a trike. Now, the trike from the Dune 2 um, top-down role player. From the game, like from the, things, yeah. Those things always, to me, look like the G.I. Joe motorized vehicle pack, um, the ATV. Mm. And the ATV has those, like, gray balloon tires that also evoke, like, the Harvester from the Dune movie. Like, there's all mm. these kind of associations that I had in my child brain. Um, anyways, Paul, you are showing us incredible images of your missus playing in the park with your claw. Yeah. Wonderful. It's awesome. Like... And I didn't even like go, oh, take the, the she's just like, oh, I want to try and fly it around because I was making whoosh, whoosh sounds with it as we're walking around. She's like, I want to try that. And yeah, okay, she had next fun. Next time, shoot some video, please. Cause I will come do. On. Oh, come on. I got you. I know it's just, I, I know that we kind of spoke about, it's not like, I felt like I, I took the photos more because I was like, oh my God, she's playing with toys <laughs> you know, rather than, you know, trying to capture I, it too I make much. This I make this argument all the time to Kim, like, why take stills when you can just shoot video? And, and you know, the capacities of our mobile phones these days are so epic. Well, they should be. <laughs> yeah. Unless you've got it crowded with um, play motion videos already and footage. Um, but anyways, you've got so much time to shoot, you know, hours and hours worth of memory to shoot video. Just do that. And if you really want to capture the moment, you can select a still from that video but yeah like motion is now so cheap whereas it used True. to be like you needed a special camera and you needed uh, a tape and you needed to then convert the tape into a cassette and you know like so easy so easy so instant and i just think the TikTok, TikTok vids. yeah but also <laughs> i just like the simplicity of uh, photographs sometimes because you know a single photograph uh, it can have a, be a before and after to it um, that isn't shown but maybe implied. And, uh, and but getting that exact moment can sometimes be that can be troublesome, nigh, yeah. nigh impossible. Yeah, whereas if you because that's the video, art, right? Yeah, you can select. You've got so much to choose from. Anyways, it's maddening. You can go around and around in circles because, like, it just it, it occupies that much more time to then edit. But hey, but yeah, but that's how I roll. Shoot me. Um, so yeah, so currently uh, Chuckles is a hostage and Dusty's on the way to rescue him and... Wait, I don't think we have your your total runtime. I mean, I know, I know you've been broken up in terms of how often you've been able to play, but... Yeah, I'd say it's about like, like I said, about two, three hours. And then I, I don't know if you guys do this, but I... Sometimes what helps me go to sleep is I will play a narrative in my head for like a story or an idea... It's actually like, like I'll lie down and I'll time. think, yeah. So, and that's also what I've been doing. I've been taking those characters in my head. So Dusty's been on my, my bedside table. Um, 
Yeah, next Rob, I know your, your current situation is not necessarily conducive to playing. Like you're very much like after dark, you kind of are limited by by access to a, a space to play. In. Um, mm. But what Paul just mentioned, like just taking your mind on these flights of fancy, is that something that you've been able to do? Like play out how you would like a game to go? I think you, so. I, yeah. Yeah, sure. I love it. I mean, that's that's how I do a lot of my like story design for for anything that i do actually i'd really like to just and think where about has it. your mind taken you robbie i wish i could go to the beach i mean I, I in general i don't like going to the beach but i think it has been sand as well weirdly enough <laughs> i think we're all very much obsessed with sand right now i think paul you know his glowing review of dune has kind of like sat on my mind um i think like yeah, a cool beach sequence sequence would be really cool um, just taking, um, I suppose, the hurricane out there and sort of attacking a couple of Joe emplacements. Um, because it could actually take, like, the 90s, um, you know, HQ and just plop it on a beach somewhere and have it be attacked by a bunch of Cobra things. I think that was one of the, one of the ones that kind of fell asleep to the one night. Nice. So perhaps images of our... Um... You know, not not too distant past uh, come flooding back because, yeah, Atlantis Factor was very much filmed around the coastline. Um, yeah, it was the last thing that we, I mean, the last big thing that you know we we did together as well. So I think sand sand holds us together, you know, despite being so <laughs> so rough and uh, loose, loose. It gets and everywhere. In everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hate it? Oh, I hate dear. it so much, but I, I love Goodness. the memories that have been made with it. So, cool. You know, it's a, a double-edged pebble of sand. <laughs> nice. So your game ideas are very much focused on action. Good stuff. I think so. in, in in general, so far, um, I, I think the just action that kind visual of like, of, like, like a hurricane streaking down. <laughs> mm. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Well, would there be build-up? Would you build up on the Cobra side, like Vapor, you know, doing his last-minute checks pre-flights, you know, his walk-around, checking his jets and mouthing off to his ground staff before boarding it and <laughs> tearing off into the sky? Or would you play the G.I. Joe point of view, like they're prepping for something big coming in? They know they have to defend this territory at all costs. That might be in vain. Well, the the thing with playtime is you can just do all of that. I mean, I, I probably would, would end up just doing everything um, as much as possible, just to kind of like I suppose milk the entire experience to the to the maximum. Um, I'm trying to think of instances where we did both sides. We kind of did this build up, like we had Cobra protagonists and we had Joe protagonists. And to be honest, I I think we were fairly one sided. Yeah, it, it wasn't often you, you really got to see both sides of, I suppose, the argument, or at least both sides of the war um, equally. It's usually, yeah, we would focus on one or the other side. Um, Though I do recall pissing L off something awful when, when I did try and split focus. Like, you know, we'd kind of... We'd focus on the progress of one team, and then I'd be like, okay, guys, let's, let's move over to where the other guys are at and, and move them forward. Um, mm. So that ultimately they can all meet together in the battle royale. But in order to do that, I wanted to kind of build up our sympathies for all the sides. And I think there was a third faction. There was probably like a, a group of Russians or something, uh, an October mm. Guard kind of element. Um, 
but yeah those things were always a little bit too fractious like he wanted one focus and he was a kind of a dominant um influence like you and i were, were pretty flexible on how we played but he was like no i want my protagonist i want him to always be front and center the hero shot you know everyone else is just a pop-up target to him basically <laughs> thanks Al. It's true, I'm it's John true. Matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of it does lend more towards. I mean, I suppose a video game way of, of playing. I mean, where you are mm -hmm. the focus the whole time. It, it isn't much a shift away from who you are and what you're doing to kind of see what everyone else is doing. So I, I kind of get where you, where you came from, but I mean, I think the way that we would mainly do it was more cinematic. You kind of did get to see what everyone was doing. You kind of. Yeah, cinematic and story, I suppose. I mean, it kind of for, makes the story more complex if you get to see different sides of, of you know, what's actually going down. I blame Larry Harmer's style of storytelling. He did like yeah. to kind of split split focus. Sometimes you'd only spend one page with a group and then flip back to another group. And I know he made a showpiece of that in uh, Triple Play, where he had the DEF, the Eco Warriors, and a third faction i'm blanking on it now but basically yeah it was like three stories and each page would further you know they'd rotate a a plot b plot and c plot would each get a page and then cycle back to a um that got perhaps a little bit tedious for my liking but like i think back to um all the ships at sea where you've got snake eyes and scarlets on the staten island ferry fighting wade collins uh you've got uh, torpedo and Snowjob at the atoll fighting Cobra Mores. And you've got um, Doc and Tripwire and Deep Six and Cutter on the Jane fighting off uh, a pair of sea rattlers. Uh, I hope this is ringing some bells for you guys. Uh. But, you know, it, it was constantly cutting and intercutting. And it's very filmic. Um, and he's able to successfully translate that to the comic book page. So I guess we tried to do that with our toys but instead of like it being a clean cut as you would in a film or a page turn with a comic book we had to like get up off the ground walk over <laughs> to that other part of the house sit ourselves down reacquaint ourselves with who had who and then continue and here we so go it was. <laughs> anyway and, um i know i've spoken a lot but i'm about to speak some more um playtime this past two weeks was blissful uh the only problem i had was um well apart from some practical issues uh which i'll get into in a bit was the fact that i was alone the fact that i didn't have there were there were there were actually surprises but not the kind of left turns that you get when you co-author something with someone else mm. so that's mm. you know my, my one great sadness is that i had to do this on my own but in spite of having not played out a narrative in what must be easily like three four five years i don't know man the years just tumble um i'm trying to think back to what the last time like it was probably what you and i played rob uh, after watching civil war like you and i played with our marvel action figures a bit yeah um, we did we went crazy that night <laughs> we did it was a good night but it was like the last night and i remember alistair and you and i playing with this is the first time marauder inc offered 
like four inch figures it's as far back mm-hmm. as that and this is on the eve of like alistair getting married he was like his last hurrah he's gonna come around and we're gonna play like that was the last time three of us played together so that was True. ages ago so yeah the rest of it has been me rolling a camera and you know one of you guys manipulating a toy while i did that does that <laughs> count it does. It's certainly uh, I, a nice I, way to share yeah. our playtimes with the world, but it's not raw playtime. You're constantly fiddling and worrying about where the camera's positioned because you can't just wind up shooting a pair of meaty paws mm-hmm. <laughs> awkwardly fiddling around with this figure. Yeah, that's no good. Paul, you were saying something? No, I was going to say, I think that totally counts uh, because, you know, you, you're still playing with the toys. You know, they... They're not sitting on your shelf gathering dust or, you know, looking good in your display room. They're actually out. They're working. <laughs> so. Well, all my toys are always going to be working. I, I, my way of keeping my toys from getting dusty is to never let them gather dust. They are always seeing some, some play use. Um, well, aside from the ones that are now eight time zones away. Also, like, um, and, and Steve, sorry, man. Play just motion before is hard work, Paul. Play motion it is, is hard work. work. It is hard work. <laughs> um, yeah, play motion puts the hard in play. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, okay. just before you get into your epic story, I just wanted to just also like mention that there's been a lot of times that, uh, like last week when you mentioned it, I, I didn't have so much of a narrative or, uh, yeah, I didn't have as much of a narrative as much as I was actually just enjoying having a few like guys on my desk or whatever's shooting at each other and hiding behind cover and you know you can get quite carried away just doing that without having much of a story as well and that was also kind of fun because it also just takes you out of things and when you get into a little bit of a uh, a flow state uh, you're in there you know Um, at one point I even had uh, I think I had a not I think I had. I definitely had um, a G.I. Joe. I mean, I have Orko from He-Man. <laughs> so I also had like one situation where I was just playing off this whole idea of like, you know, Orko's like, no, who are these invaders? And then I had a whole bunch of co- like, and my Cobra Viper and Norga Hyde like shooting at him. Like <laughs> just for shits and giggles. Um, so, I mean, there, there is also something to be said for like sort of an aimless play as well. You know, just enjoying just having this the stuff on your table and just going with that just sort of freestyling there's not much of a narrative you're just going for it i see your point paul and absolutely that is valid that is certainly a way to enjoy your toys that is active and you know they're not sitting on the shelf being admired and you're not aimlessly scrolling ebay you know in the pursuit of acquiring more yeah you treasuring what you have which is so vital so so vital i mean if if all that there is to collecting is just being a consumer like where's the enjoyment the enjoyment is like receiving something in in the mail and and that's the the pinnacle of your enjoyment it's like yes Mm. the box is here i have it and then it all is kind of a downhill from there just it's unfortunate but i acknowledge that that is a reality of being an adult and being a collector it's like you don't have the the allowance and the time and you don't give yourself the opportunity to enjoy sometimes but i endeavored to create a narrative because i didn't just want it to be me and desk fiddles i I forced myself because it is hard it is not easy to 
string together a narrative to to speak these monologues and and give your characters voice and move them physically through a space in a realistic way as opposed to just like uh you know he's in the palm of my hand and now he's on top of the bookshelf and you know like to make a geography out of i'm not saying building physical sets but to mm. like if there's a fire escape outside a building i'm you know miming my figure through all the motions um and there is enormous satisfaction to be had in that mm. that said my week of playing weeks of playing has not followed one storyline it has been a total smorgasbord of like impulses <laughs> because i've got quite an eclectic mix of characters um that span the different eras of the the o-ring you know era run like i've had like stuff that's set in 82 83 i've had stuff that's set in the 90s and i've thoroughly enjoyed jumping around and not being too beholden to like like strict rpg rules that i'm kind of like following my protagonists through each situation just staying on them and like everything you know like doing the the briefing and then doing the mission and doing the debrief and then doing like you know the rack time back at base like that there's enormous satisfaction in doing that but i find that comes from having interactions with a second or third player because then you catch yourself off guards a little bit more i was in it for like the highlights real guys <laughs> and the highs <laughs> the, high, the highs got pretty high i had to start out cold open in a safe house with my man shockwave and your man scoop robbie hey shockwave is antsy he's like we gotta move scoop we gotta go now like we are we've hung back way too long we're gonna be late for the rendezvous scoop is like just give me another minute. I need to make this upload. He's got his, his satellite dish and he's currently uploading vital information. He can't move the transmission or sever the connection now. Like he's got to wait. Uh, so Shockwave goes downstairs. He checks on their escape vehicle, the Desert Fox six wheel drive, of course. Uh, and then kind of gets back upstairs and he's like, come on, Scoop, now or never. Checks his weapon weapons you know two pistols silenced smg knife in the back um and scoop's like yes okay we can go backpack on camera attach the backpack they race downstairs get in the desert fox scoop rolls up the the roller blind and they're off now i decided to engineer a little bit of tension between these characters turns out in their civilian life because you know shockwave was a cop Scoop was a journalist. Like, they had some prior dealings. Scoop did some investigative reporting and managed to kind of bring some scandal, some heat down on, on one of uh, Shockwave's superiors. Uh, a good man, a family man, according to good old Jason Fryer, but wound up ending his career. So, like, there's this this history between them. They now are allies and comrades in arms and they trust each other with their lives. But, as I say, in their civilian life, they've got this little frisson. Anyways, they're heading to their next location. Shockwave has done the drive a number of times that afternoon. He, he knows the route. Um, he doesn't have the, high, the, 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 the lights on. He's going through the jungle track. And <laughs> this is where the practicalities of playing with these ancient toys come down on you like a ton of bricks because what happens to my desert fox 
snags something, some rough terrain, and the steering rack snaps. <laughs> lame, lame, so lame. I mean, they built Desert Foxes for a good time and not a long time. Like, it's definitely that design aesthetic <laughs> that, like, Hasbro were like, yeah, this is functional, it's good, moving on. Uh, whereas, I think, like, in the earlier 80s, they would have been like, but will it last? You know, is this going to be durable enough? Anyway, so that kind of ended my game on night one. Because I was a bit down about that. Night two was me trying to fix it. And dare I say, I have engineered a fix that is better than what Hasbro did. But it's still not quite up to snuff. Like, I, I want the, the steering rack to be, like, firm. Um, and, you know, like, the Desert Fox is one of those vehicles that, like, invariably will have a bit of a mouth to it. Like, if you have the, the front clipped in nice and firmly like the back sometimes comes up a bit or the, the middle section of the, the vehicle comes up a bit so it's difficult to get it to be all flush but yeah i'm not not too too disenchanted with my fix i basically put two metal rods you know one in front one in behind um and set up a kind of a steering rack that way that pushes and pulls the the wheels adequately but yeah like it's 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 never going to be great. I prefer those wheels to just be fixed in a forward position. We didn't need steerable front wheels on most of these vehicles. Anyways, night three, I was sick. <laughs> oh, no. And in my sick adult mind, that's when I had my Tiger Force misadventure, uh, if you recall from last episode. Yes, yes. Basically, I, I b bought a Tiger Force. Um, there were three tiger force outpacks on offer and and i i picked the dud of the lot i think it's still on its way to me um and i should have just picked the other ones but whatever as i say i was sick and tired and not playing toys that night uh day four i had a bit of time in the afternoon to myself and i got to play at that magical hour that we spoke about rob like dusk which is just the best when the day is kind of cooling down, because that's another thing you have to worry about in North Queensland, like, man, the compulsion to play in the nude is always pretty high because you are sweating, <laughs> sweating um, all the time. And like, yeah, you can't really crank the AC when you're moving indoors, outdoors, indoors, outdoors. Oh, we got a, a comment we want to highlight. Darren Cobb, once again, with uh, Shockwave racing through the night. Scoop, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Mind killer. Very, very good. We, it is the little mind death. killer. Jeez, oh, we're back with the dune. Sorry, um, dudes. <laughs> do it, dude. I'm, I'm so glad Darren's in, like uh, uh, in my bus with this one. <laughs> it's dune all week. What 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 would be our theme tune then? Dune, Any dune, dune, dune. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> As for the 1984. Movie Dude. and Toto score. Anyway. Points points for remembering. It's awesome. Anyway, um, so day four, I, I took the Locust out for a spin. Yeah, like I say, it was quite an eclectic week. So Major Storm strolls up to his Whirly Bird. This is the, 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 the initial release, the 1990 Brown release, not the, the, not the general release. Uh, and he fires that puppy up. It's uh, got several targets. It's going for an attack run. Uh, it has a convoy to take out. 
uses its laser cannons. Uh, then it um, has to bomb a structure, so it uses the sort of a dumb firing weapons. And then finally, uh, an armored vehicle needs to be taken out, so it, it fires the missiles. But it in turn is taken out by Voltar on the rocket sled. Cobra rocket sled. Now, this brings me to an interesting point. Like, to our adult brain, we read the file card and we know that Voltar is Destro's general. And knowing what we know about high-ranking officers, they are not the kind of guys to be the tip of the spear. Ever. Mm-hmm. They're the kind of high-value targets that you keep far in the rear under a, you know, an armored bunker and protected well uh, at all times. Like, they are big deals. When they're moving, they have extra security. Uh, they have planned itineraries. They do not hop on board highly volatile one-man interceptor rocket craft and take out uh, an attacking helicopter. But to the child in us, Voltar being Destro's general and having that sweet-ass red optic in his gold helmet means that he's like some kind of super killer warlord and he absolutely would be the tip of the spear. He's like... Destro's number one fighting man, you know. <laughs> do, do do you guys agree? Like to a child, your value of the the character is not stored up in how how much they need to be protected, but actually how many lives they would take. You know. Yeah, you he's, he's a rock star, combat. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he yeah. just looks really awesome, and he's got an amazing vehicle. He comes with that vehicle, so of course you got to put him out there. <laughs> He doesn't, but the advertising certainly in Europe um, made him and the rocket sled very synonymous. Like, I can distinctly remember a catalogue that I fawned over a lot. The same catalogue that introduced me to Tiger Force Outback, incidentally. But it had uh, Voltar on the, the rocket sled. And then, if I'm remembering correctly, I think so did the card art. that had Voltar kind of scooting along the desert floor on the rocket sled. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is definitely oh, yeah, precedent this... for, for him being the operator of this extremely deadly craft. Uh, deadly to the operator, I mean. Um, but <laughs> hey, I couldn't give a shit. I just enjoyed tearing through the sky and absolutely mincing a well, relatively slow-moving G.I. Joe target. It was too easy, man. So it sounds like I'll you continue. had a lot of fun just getting like random stuff getting going there wasn't like a overarching story which i I think you said at at the front there wasn't well i got as close to an overarching story over the next two nights because Mm. i because my desert fox was now repaired and better than ever it was time to continue that story because i I felt like a bit cheated that i didn't get to get to a kind of a, a conclusive point um it turns out shockwave and scoop were on their way to the next safe house where none other than fellow teammate Hardball is lying low. Now Hardball has basically what they are in this environment to to get. And just to set the scene, in my imagination, this is kind of a G.I. Joe animated series kind of world in that you had this urban environment that was quite clearly Cobra controlled. So it was like, I think, Enterprise City in Pyramid of Darkness, where, like, there's this palpable, like, cobra underbelly. And, like, 
their Cobra agents mingling, um, you know, freely on the surface as well. So G.I. Joe is very much like having to be very secretive within this environment. It's something that doesn't really gel with the real world uh, because, you know, on how, how could an enormous metropolitan area be totally Cobra? It just wouldn't happen in domestic United States, or at least I don't think so. <laughs> how could it? Um, Listen. They did it with Springfield, but that was like a town, and they did it with Millville and Broca Beach, but that was using brainwashing. Here we've got like an actual city that is like totally cobrid, you know, cobra sympathetic. Well, I, I think it's I think it's quite realistic considering that Elon Musk can now buy our, our entire country um, as of last week, and still <laughs> actually, and it wouldn't really hurt him. It would be like me buying a proton pack. It would suck well, at first, but it'll be okay. Is it is it better for us to be owned by China or by Elon Musk? <laughs> Drop down into the comments and let us know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, sci-fi says neither. <laughs> hey, at so. least Muskie... Muskie's a South African, isn't he? Well, he was. Yeah, but yeah, he's got yeah. a lot of resentment, man. Like, he was bullied a lot and stuff in school, so... I don't know. Yeah, but that's you, that's you Joe Burgers. I mean, he has nothing against Cape Town, I'm sure. It's got nothing to do with Joe Burgers. He's from Pretoria, man. <laughs> and you know those guys. <laughs> They're gonna be rough. Eesh. Crazy talk. Alright, that's anyway. used to me, man. Uh, so, yeah, we catch up with Hardball, and he's got a device. Hardball? Yes. That's awesome. Sorry. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. about time. Like, Team 88 for the win. Um, he's got... Well, I used Hit and Run's duffel bag. Um, it's it's a device, and it's got a an access key, and they're both being stored in the bag. Anyways, they bundle into the, the Desert Fox, and Hardball's already like, scooch up, Shockwave. <laughs> you ain't driving this beast. I am. <laughs> so, Shockwave reluctantly gets on the gun and good thing he does because as soon as they pull out they get buzzed by the dreadnoughts in the thunder machine awesome it's some like, mean highway pursuit action guys like this is this is primo action stuff and like i didn't want it to be over too soon so i kind of gimped it that for whatever reason shockweb can't use the <laughs> the aa gun on the Desert Fox, and the Dreadnoughts have been tasked with getting this device back, so they're not about to drill it with the uh, the Gatling guns. So it's like small arms fire, you know, shockwaves popping off with his pistol and his SMG, and handing them to Scoop to reload, which I thought was a, a neat little nod to T2. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Zanzibar's leaning out of the, the, the Thunder Machine, firing his uh, pistol. Um, so, just great, like, exchange of fire. Um, the hardball does some pretty slick maneuvers, but unfortunately, when you are being rammed by a jet-powered Mad Max-style vehicle, yeah, he got rammed off the road, rolled the car a couple of times, and came to rest. The Dreadnoughts sidle up to this vehicle and uh, notice that... They counted three occupants, but there was only two. Obviously, one of them didn't strap in, and that was Shockwave. And, of course, he survived uh, rolling a couple of times and manages to gather himself enough to break some skulls. He corners the Dreadnoughts and, with his superior hand-to-hand combat skills, manages to bring Thrasher and Zanzibar to their knees. 
So the three Joes pile into the thunder machine, <laughs> uh, which they can actually do. I managed to jam the three of them into the thunder machine. Uh, Scoop was on Hardball's lap. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Scoop's radio gets totaled in the crash, so they can't call in. They have to just stick to the prearranged uh, rendezvous point. So they pile into the, the, the uh, thunder machine and off they go. But this whole scene has been observed from the rooftops. There's a third player. Who do you think Batman. it might be, guys? <laughs> I didn't actually do any crossover. <laughs> I didn't do any crossover, at least not yet. But uh, here's a hint. Rounds out the three avatars on our YouTube presentation. Uh, it is the shadow that storms. <laughs> the shadow before the storm? Yeah, man. Storm Shadow version 2, of course, is tracking them. Mm -hmm. Now, the third night of this epic, and sort of I rounded out that, that evening's play by doing some very sort of heightened, cartoony platforming, basically. Like, there's nothing more fun than doing ninja run, ninja grapple, ninja, you know, archery maneuver a la Hawkeye. <laughs> and swinging across buildings. Like, that stuff didn't fly too much in our playtime, Rob. But when it did, we kind of embraced it. Like, if we all had ninjas, we could all suddenly scale walls, move at lightning speeds, basically do, like, Jedi tricks and shit. Yeah, it was a bit self-indulgent if you had, like, one person doing that and the rest of the people are kind of like, wait for us to catch up, he's got to climb up these steps here and... <laughs> uh, one, one more time just for us kids in the back <laughs> but let me tell you staying there's nothing alive, more fun staying alive. Sorry. <laughs> there's nothing more fun than like imbuing these figures with next to superhuman uh, prowess like physical prowess uh, all of a sudden like your soldier toy takes on a new dimension of play a new kind of kineticism like they can move so much better than just like you know, slogging and marching and holding a gun. Like, there's so much more you can do with a three and three quarter inch Joe. And so, this is why the ninjas really unlocked that potential. And, and why I, to this day, am a huge pundit for Ninja Force. Because all of a sudden, you had the license to do these superhuman kinds of battles. And they are such an indulgence, but they are such fun. So, yes, the more kind of dogmatic military play something we did a lot of but every once in every while we gave ourselves the freedom to do that stuff and so good anyways he comes to rest overhead this alley where they've parked the thunder machine and they've gone inside like kind of broken into a, an office building and shockwave's like okay guys hole up here see if you can find some medical supplies to uh, patch up scoop's head i'm gonna try and ditch this vehicle because it is hella conspicuous we can't leave this parked on the street so shockwave tears off unfortunately leaving the other two is a prime target for storm shadow storm shadow kind of reels himself down through a skylight and scoops up the bag <laughs> while yeah. hardball is in he's in a kitchen um looking for a first aid kit which he manages to find comes back starts patching up scoop and he's like yo scoop where's the bag scoop's like i don't know didn't you take it with you? Oh, shit. 
patch yourself up, Scoop. Hardboard draws his sidearm and he tears around this place. Can't find anything. Then they notice the open skylights. He charges up the, the, the fire escape outside and he finds his quarry. Storm Shadow is rifling through the bag at the, uh, on the rooftop. And Hardball's like, shoot, for, shoot first and ask questions later. He unloads on his uh, 9mm. I used um, Red Dog's gun. Beautiful gun. I love giving that, giving that to Hardball. Because he's got, he's got a holster, but no sidearm. And he's got great like cutoff gloves. It's just, yeah, look. It's a good look. Trust me, if you are at a loss for like giving Hardball a secondary weapon, you couldn't go far wrong than um, using using Hardball's piece. Anyhow, he unloads. Storm Shadow takes cover behind like a, I suppose it must be a vent or something, um, and the bag is now out in the open. It's between these two. Uh, before he can reload, Storm Shadow is making a run for grabbing the bag. So Hardball charges at it and they get into fisticuffs now this is something that i also wanted to kind of play out that like a gi joe is no chump in the the hand-to-hand combat um stakes you know if you are an infantryman in joe you are top of your class man so i do like the idea of it being a fair matchup but when the other guy has knives and swords on his person it's pretty evident that storm shadow is pulling his punches so while the combat is fierce and and kind of evenly matched, like Storm Shadow clearly doesn't want to kill a Joe. He doesn't want Joe blood on his hands, particularly since he wants to use this bag as a bargaining tool for his imminent defection. But he doesn't get the bag. Hardball is able to fend him off. He does, however, come away with the key, and he calls it calls it even Stevens. Hardball gets the bag downstairs. Shockwave gets back. He's like, what the hell, dude? I heard gunshots as I was making my way here. Do you want to bring every Cobra down on us? And he's like, dude, try to make off with the, the device. But I, I managed to, you know, put the hurts on him. However, they go through the bag and like, ah, the key's been taken. Shit. Anyways, that's where I left that particular thread. I imagine they get to their prearranged pickup points. They make the pickup. And meanwhile... Hawk gets an anonymous call from a certain Tommy Arashikage uh, that the device is useless to you unless unless you let me come in from the cold. So let's let's make a deal. Sounds um, like a classic Steven story. Like this. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it's... I think so. It it feels like something we we would have played out. It's it's great that you're using Hardball as well. I feel like he's such an underappreciated character, actually. And, uh, it's a very satisfying figure to handle. Like, as mm. I say, the cut of gloves, great for like him being, you know, wielding a pistol. I didn't use his bloop gun. I decided, now nah, let's steer clear from like doing the stereotypical thing with this guy. Let's make him, you know, smooth talking. Like, like he's good behind the wheel, but he's also good in a fight. Like, that's his, his vibe. There's a little bit of tension between him and Shockwave because they both have caps. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It, it came up front when it was like, like, get out of the driving seat, Shockwave. You're not fooling anyone. You're good at kicking doors down, but like, if it's time to burn rubber, it's it's all, it's all, it's all me. Um, yeah. So yeah, Hardball's a great figure to play with if you can just look past the baseball shirt. 
Yeah, it's, it's weird. That that's never bothered me. I don't know why. Anyway, it might it <laughs> might bother you if like I was also playing in an urban setting. If he was slogging through the jungle, it might have been tougher. This is an urban setting, largely at night in dimly lit environments, which is an important factor. Let me tell you, <laughs> and it comes up uh, in a future game. In fact, um, I also did a little bit of like side play with recoil and the scuba pack because I was so damn hot. I decided to throw myself in the pool. And <laughs> recoil, like it's tough to find figures that fit that that um, motorized action pack or vehicle pack nicely. Um, it's a it's a difficult one. Uh, hit and run was my first go to, and he's a like the the back peg doesn't seat deep enough. Low lights is actually a good pick, but also just just not quite deep enough. Um, I find recoil is is the guy, and the flippers work pretty nicely on him too. Oh, cool. Any hooch. I decided to do some some indulgence with the havoc the next night. Um, oh, the havoc! Because I watched uh, this incredible clip <laughs> shared to me by uh, Zazel Phoenix. Uh, oh, the one I put on Facebook. Of... Oh, was it you? Okay, it was me. Oh, <laughs> well, then all credit to you, dude. Um, hey, one, take that, one Zaz. Man, <laughs> a one-man um, quadcopter just reminded me of the coolest feature of that weird vehicle the havoc and that's the deployable one-man hovercraft so i wanted to do a just a, a test um basically an equipment test for the havoc with sci-fi uh using his optics to like guide the havoc missiles uh to a, a pre-arranged target so they bought this thing Sneak peek is like, why are we doing this at night? Equipment tests are supposed to happen during the day. So that sets up a bit of tension with like him and Sci-Fi. Because Sci-Fi is like, Psh, I put it up to the, the higher-ups and they rubber-stamped it. So <laughs> we're, we're setting out at 11 o'clock at night. Suck it, sneak peek. Um, and I got to use my Steel Brigade guy for the first time. He was in the gun, the gun seat on the Havoc. A man of few words, as it turns out. But uh, a bit of a check had passed, which might come up in a bit anyway so it was just fun having these guys driving out to the test site a, a common trope or, or one that i enjoyed playing out rob as you might recall is like long drives like because a lot of a lot of military life so i believe is just the logistics you are oftentimes just en route to a base or en route back home or en route to a target like you are constantly moving um and so these little vignettes that play out amongst the characters are sometimes very compelling and always you know sometimes are a, a stronger draw than the action itself anyways it's, it was it's a successful equipment test and i know that's blowing everyone's ears off because it's like so exciting but yeah sci-fi yeah the, the missiles all 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 hit target quite uh, admirably even at night and it was just fun to swoop sci-fi around in that that hovercraft oh man that thing's a lot of fun i really i'm i'm, I'm a big fan of the havoc ever since rob got his uh when we were in the states and hey. i just oof beautiful toy that i really really dig it um speaking of rob and scoop actually i got scoop on my desk as well um because I, I pulled them out, you know, when we were planning to do this, I thought, okay, I'd make sure I've got the, the main Gunena, you know, I have, you know, Ro uh, Scoop, <laughs> Rob, I'll have Scoop, Shockwave and Storm Shadow at hand, you know, to, to mess around with. And 
I know that you may have mentioned this detail before, Steve, but I just want to mention it again on, on, on the show. It's so cool how Scoop's holster on his left leg uh, doesn't have a gun in it to imply that his gun has been drawn. I think that's so cool. And that he's left-handed? Yes. Uh, or he favors the camera. So the camera's yeah. in his dominant hand and his holster with his hush puppy... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cool like it's just one of those things another observation i'd like to make about scoop uh we have a bug force member uh his name is troy and i can't help but feel that the scoop head sculpt is very uh, is a pretty good likeness for troy so troy if you're listening go and grab yourself a scoop figure hold it up um you know to your wife and your kids and ask them Who's this? <laughs> Who this? Uh, <laughs> I get the feeling they probably will be like, uh, there needs to be a little bit more salt in that pepper. <laughs> but yeah, look, the, the, the texture on, on Scoop's head sculpt is terrific. Uh, mm. The hair is really nice, and we all know Troy's got a fabulous head of hair, so... <laughs> yeah, man. Sweet, so, no, I just had to, I... like... yeah. I'm going to shout out fellow podcasters from Anything Joe's who did the most excellent review of a little town called Springfield. Um, issue number 10, G.I. Joe A.R.A. And they, I, I devoured that podcast during the day and I felt inspired. I was like, the protagonists are Scarlet, Snake Eyes and Zap. These are three... 1.5 swivel arm figures that I currently have in my possession right now. So if I focused in the story just a little bit tighter and stayed with them, you know, didn't use Hawk and those boys or Grunts and Flash and the other teams that were kind of encroaching in on this Cobra nerve center in Manhattan, if I just stayed with the, these three, I can play out this story. So as a challenge, I decided let me play out an issue of the G.I. Joe comic as best I can from memory. You know, I'm not going to be referencing the comic book as I play. Let me just see if I can remember the action beats, the story beats. Maybe if I don't remember them, I'll fill in with some of my own. And I think, well, I haven't reread the, the issue, but just going off my memories of uh, the podcast review, I think I pulled it off, guys. Like everything from them getting captured to um, Snake Eyes winding up in Dr. Venom's brainwave scanner uh them breaking what well, snake eyes breaking out by you like stopping his heart um the other two like the, the only thing i didn't play out was um zap and scarlet winding up in that sort of arcade of horrors like where all the all the sort of light guns and stuff are actual laser weapons um but i did have them chucked into a cell with billy <laughs> billy played by luke skywalker uh, but but Luke Skywalker <laughs> How appropriate. is it's it's a pretty um why is it appropriate Rob? <laughs> oh no wait he's not missing his hand he's missing his leg damn it uh, but still he's but he's missing something <laughs> you'll you'll find that like the Star Wars action figure scaling is so film accurate that like Luke is really small so he actually comes in a fair bit shorter than an O ring Joe. So that kind of slightly diminutive size, I mean, okay, Billy was a kid, not an adolescent, um, it, when they first meet him. 
but it, it kind of read adequately enough. And hey, it was in the dark, so you can kind of get away with that. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so, so I did away with the arcade and basically kind of did a shortcut that Scarlet and Zap and Billy were being interred in Dr. Venom's, like, HQ. So they just had to fight their way to where Snake Eyes was being brainwave scanned. But of course, Snake Eyes has freed himself at that point. And so they make a run for it, wind up at the municipal airport and board a plane. And the rest plays out like the comic book. Uh, Billy decides to stay behind because of his family. Hmm. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, this is Cobra Commander's son, after all. And his mother's a piece of shit, too. So it must be like extended family. Uh, anyways. Um... So Scarlet and Zap and Storm Sh uh, Snake Eyes board the plane and there's a Cobra pilot and the Cobra pilot's like, ha ha ha, you guys were drugged when you came here. You don't know where, where you're going, so I could fly you anywhere. Uh, and then meanwhile, he, he pulls a pistol out of his helmet. Anyways, <laughs> tries, to, tries to shoot uh, Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes totally draws him in his seat and manages to take out all the plane's instruments, of course. Total action movie trope there. Anyway, Zap manages to put them down over the ocean and bail out so that so the, the plane doesn't do any damage to uh, a city that they arrive in. And I didn't do the, the closing scene, the denouement with the Marvel Comics convention and them landing on a guy dressed in Hulk costume. I just kind of left it there. In fact, this is where I kind of made an addition to the story in that um, they parachute down in the middle of nowhere. Uh because they are in the middle of nowhere. They don't know where they are. They've kind of flown through a storm. Um, and so they start hiking towards a, a settlement. And they're like, what if that's a Cobra settlement? What if it's a bunch of Cobra sympathizers? And we just rocked up quite evidently G.I. Joe agents on the run. Like, this could be a very dangerous situation. And that was my kind of to-be-continued point. <laughs> so maybe I'll pick that up. Who knows? Hmm. You got through so many cool stories. Damn, dude. Sorry. I got one more. I one more. <laughs> one more. Than we Better wait, kids. No, no. Yes, yes. Um, my final... Death Marauder. My final playtime was perhaps the most organic of all. Uh, I took up Eco Warrior. I was going to use version 4 Snake Eyes with the neon gun and the... the spring fire rocket launcher grapple hook in order to like do some more of that kinetic ninja kind of action i used to enjoy playing with it just having him swinging from place to place when i was a child i can can recall using that figure when um, my dad had pitched a tent we'd gone camping and so like the tent poles and various uh, guy lines and stuff made for great zip lines and things for him to to cling to and swing from and stuff but no i dropped snake eyes in favor of eco warriors flint mm. hey it's one of my favorites you know it's a cool toy i had him armed with his water gun helmet his pump which is an oversized shotgun futuristic thing which i've always had a fondness for and bail out of an aircraft and like like shoot shit on the way down i put the doom 2 soundtrack in my earphones and huh? I just assaulted on like the Toxo Viper like chem lab like it was a fight through the air 
landing on the ground, backed up by ozone and and clean sweep. Uh, you know, a fight approaching through the jungle and sort of this wasteland to the factory, like climbing up into the factory, jumping, diving, rolling, sliding down the bonnet of my my wife's car. Um, <laughs> laying waste to toxo vipers, sludge vipers, septic tanks, uh, toxo zombies, these kind of hordes crawling up on him. Um, he was using, you know, the anti-tox gun. He was uh, using the pump action shotgun with explosive rounds. The one thing I wish he came with is a short range weapon, like a knife. That would have been a game changer. Like, it's the one element of his arsenal that he needs. So, you can imagine, guys, this was very much a adrenaline-fueled, like, Doom-style, like, I didn't take my hand off the shift key kind of fight. I was strafing around, jumping around, moving, you know. I think we can all have that soundtrack in our minds right now, like... You know, awesome. Um, of course, it wound up in the pool. I don't think his color change action works anymore. But like, that's when like, like, I think it was like eels and their robotic sharks were trying to attack him, and that's where I wanted the sword or knife or something. Just like an energy blade. Anything like 90s and garish and just extreme. So I should have decked him out with some Ninja Force weapons maybe. But uh, dudes, that was the best. It, it was like a mixture of Doom and the rail shooting G.I. Joe arcade game and a lot of platforming. And of course, the only toy I had in my hands was the flint. Everything else was furnished by my mind. But I was totally yeah. swept up in it. Like, I don't have a septic tank here. And I don't have my Toxo Zombie here. Like, those toys are, you know, they, they're just phantoms. But just having that laser focus on my guy in my paw and taking him on this epic action adventure, like, just imbuing him with this God of War level prowess, like... Oh, man. He was the Doom guy. He was the Marine. He was just wading through endless hordes and laying waste to structures and tanks and buildings and bad guys. Cesspool, however, got off clean. He was nowhere to be seen. But, um, yeah, man. Mission accomplished. Advantage eco-warriors. And last night, I was at a Halloween party, so I was drunk and I couldn't play. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Well, I think often, yeah, it was the times when you could really suspend, you know, um, your suspension of what, what's it that that thing disbelief. Where, where your yes, where your imagination just completely take over, that you can actually just really enjoy yourself. And it sounds like by the end of the week, you really were just completely giving yourself over to your imagination. I have not done any work on the channel channel in two weeks. This has been my solitary focus. I mean, outside of publishing the podcast and doing the, the odd promo work for that. But, uh, so I don't know if I can keep this up. Like, I'd love to finish out a project that Troy and I are working on, in fact. Um, and and it's it's shaping up to be a goodie, so I really do want to, you know, put in the hours. Uh, but, guys, I'm, I'm having the time of my life. 
I mean, well, that's it'd be nice if I had some friends, but hey. as far as refining the love for creating narratives and actually playing them out, because that's that's the the hardest step to take, man, to actually just give voice to the voices in your heads, like externalize this stuff. Um, it's it is enough to play them out in your minds, and that that is wonderful, but to actually get down in the grass and play whoa yeah yeah um I, no regrets man this has been terrific but guess yeah, what, making guys? that time for yourself is so good psychologically yeah uh guess what guess what what do you say what are you telling <laughs> us troy's troy's back in the mix man he's got a post box the pit question for us to close mm. out the show on and here oh, it sweet. is yeah very sweet. I got my assignment, fellas. It looks like some Cobra thugs are harassing some villagers. My mission is to train them up so they can defend themselves against Cobra. Who do you think I should bring with me on this mission? Okay, so Falcon is in country and doing what Falcon does, working with the locals to try and organize some resistance. Uh, let's do one pick each. So we're going to make this a four-man team. In addition to Falcon, who who are the best backups? I'm gonna have to say Outback. I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but you gotta say it. I mean, he's mm -hmm. he's the wilderness expert. Um, he's definitely gonna be helping immeasurably to kind of prepare these people for whatever's coming their way. Fair enough, but don't you think the locals are already adept at surviving in that environment? Like, wouldn't Outback just he he'd be learning from them? Exactly. And together they come up with that completely <laughs> brand new ideas because they're kind of like working off each other so well. Nice. No, sorry, Rob. I don't mean to poo-poo your ideas straight up. No, the no, no. I'm absolutely just, not. I just I, always like offering the contrasting opinion. That's that's the debater absolutely. in me. No, but mm -hmm. I, I, I think... Mass debater. That they work... <laughs> well, they, they work off each other. I mean, they, their approaches can't be identical. I mean... They have different ways of approaching things, but together, you know, uh, with their knowledge, they can kind of come up with new things. Or, hmm. right. I, I, I don't know. Uh, it was just the first one that came to mind. Hmm. I think hmm. Falcon is a language expert, so presumably he can speak. Well, I, I, this is regional. Who knows where they are? Um, maybe the the language is a big barrier or maybe everyone in this particular region speaks english so no problem there but like my first thought is someone like breaker who is a language expert speaks multiple different languages and and dialects uh, but maybe he's not so good on the survivalist stuff but yeah I, my first thought always runs to an interpreter someone well, like that's Dusty pretty smart or... i mean it would make communication between flint i mean falcon and the and the locals much easier Mm. Kind of so who are our language guys? Our language guys are Breaker, Stalker, Stalker Duke mm -hmm. in sort of mm -hmm. Southeast Asian languages. Um, and I'm blanking. Crap. Oh, Dusty. Ah. Yeah. Dusty. Dusty's second file card, his version, or oh, sorry, his, his 1991 version uh, speaks of his Middle Eastern dialect proficiencies. So yeah, he's <laughs> he's a lot more than just a desert trooper. He is... Oh, I think uh, Lady J. Lady J would be a great language expert too. Yeah, that's another one. You've got some 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 options that uh, that I would gravitate towards. And Paul, what do you prioritize, man? 
Uh, for me, it's just uh, if it's meant to be survival or, or protecting a village, I uh, prioritize things like uh, improvising, um, using your uh, your environment to improvise. So, for me, like my my choices would have been in no particular order. It would have been stalker, tunnel rat, outback, and Rakondo. because I mean not Rakondo, spirit actually, um, and the reason for that is because. Uh, Stalker, you guys mentioned uh, the language side of him, but also he's used to being in that kind of situation. You know, he cut his teeth in that kind of battle. Uh, he so he knows he knows how to work that that kind of land. Tunnel rat. Uh, well, his name he's a tunnel rat, right? But more importantly, explosive expert. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's proficient. Uh, I feel that he's proficient in things like um, booby traps and all that because that comes with. Uh, the knowledge that you need for explosives removal, and uh, yeah, spirit, the whole tracking element to spirit, the fact that he's got a good understanding of the land, and also he's just um, culturally, like, not culturally, but like, I, I, I'm scared of saying spiritual, but uh, there's an esoteric side to spirit where he understands different cultural uh, eccentricities, I feel. Um, he's, I feel he's sensitive to that kind of thing, which means I think he would be more endearing to to the local guys. Um, he would sure. he would be like the heart. He would be able to earn their trust. And then, um, of course, and then Outback, of course, because, well, Outback. <laughs> you know, oh, you've got yeah. everything that comes, yeah. So that, that would be my, yeah. Yeah, this is like Rikondo. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Tetsuo is like Outback. Fantastic choice. And Darren... Runs us out with a foursome, Falcon, Rikondo, Tripwire, and Beachhead. Hey, yeah, uh, cool. I feel like you can't go wrong. Mm. Beachhead uh, will be around to uh, you know, just remind everyone that, like, no matter where you come from, B.O. is B.O. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cool shout-out for Tripwire. I mean, there's, there's a character that gets, like, almost no love. So, nice. True. Yeah. I mean, the... Like particularly in rural combat environments like the devastation wrought by landmines is hardcore and if if cobra is playing dirty like absolutely you need someone like tripwire and also he's relatable because he's pretty flawed isn't he mm. it's like clumsy yeah. he's super clumsy yeah 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 <laughs> guys this has been a bumper session of me just drawing about playing with toys and i'm loving it um I might, <laughs> da, 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 might make a segment out of this, but like I talk enough in these episodes, honestly, as much as I'd love to keep up the fun and, and, and keep this going, which I will, you, you can be rest assured I will, um, maybe I'll deliver a, a sizzle reel or a highlights package uh, week to week. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see if there's demand for it. Um, let us know in the comments below. Also, let us know who you'd like to have Falcon get backed up by on the Joe team. Maybe maybe a cobra. Maybe he's made friends with Zartan. Uh, <laughs> as always, thanks to the Berg Force for joining us in the comments thread. It's wonderful to have you guys. If you want to join the Berg Force, you can do so for the low, low price of a single dollar a month. Hey. hey. Um, I mean, is that right, Paul? Back me up, dude. I think it's $3. You can, oh, for as low as $3 a month, yeah. Buy, buy us a coffee once a month, and you too can... <laughs> Not only attend these recording sessions live if you manage to make it to the session because 
the times change all the time. Apologies once again. <laughs> but you then also have early access to these podcasts because they go up a full 24 hours early. And and yeah, and yeah. you're supporting us. Exactly. It's it's awesome. It's it's super cool when you do it. And uh yeah, you you will then have access to, you know, fun little things like music and wallpapers and that kind of jazz. Um, of course, you can just keep, keep supporting us in the way that we know and love you're doing already, just by listening, liking, <laughs> by liking, by sharing, subscribing, all that shiz. Um, and just talking right, to us in the comments, like, you know, that, that's really awesome. I love yeah. the comments, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always a lot cool. of encouragement. <laughs> We've got Sammy Six Toes over on Facebook, who's currently, like, going through our entire back catalog and uh, dropping the odd comment here and there. He recently listened to our Shifters episode, Rob. Do you remember we recorded one with, with, with L? Yes. Just kind of a retrospective on that game. And he was like, this, this shit's awesome. Well, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> you, Sammy. But yeah, he's like, yeah. The shift's really cool awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant to ask, guys, who do you think I had a stand-in for as Dr. Venom. Because Dr. Venom action figures are like hen's teeth. But he is a canonic Cobra character and one that you need if you are to play out issue 10, a nice little town called Springfield. Uh, Who who was my action figure stand-in? I assume you had a Dr. Mindbender. Oh, no. They are so night and day, man. Dr. Mindbender and the Dr. Venom could not sure, be... looks for sure, but like, but like mm. the, the, the function. function in the story. No, you know what? I, I, I feel like Dr. Mindbender is like a snake oil salesman. You know, he's all flash <laughs> and no substance. All his good ideas spring from, spring from the research of Dr. Venom's, which he, he inherited. He managed wow. to... And he's also got that whole, like, killed his own pain senses um, crap. Like, you know... He's a dentist. That's his claim to fame. He knows about pain. Anywho, um, Dr. Venom was very handily played by Gristle. Hey? Gristle? I forgot you had a Gristle figure. Because that makes sense. Because it looks... I, I was like, you'd have to have some kind of character with like a very square top head. You know? He, he, look, I'll be the first to admit it's a weird choice at first blush but in the dim lighting situation it can be quite possible he's got these dark shades he's got this toothy like i speak like this everything goes through my teeth he's clenched in a way but but the dr venom (laughs) aspect comes in the fact that he's got this slick back hair and a slight widow's peak to his hairline and that's classic dr venom the outfit is way off um, all of a sudden, he's packing two knives on his chest and yeah. a, an eclectic mix of maroon, black, and canary yellow. But, yeah, the hair is what sells it. And, of course, the performance. I was firing on all cylinders. Oh, of that course, much, of course the performance oh. seals it. <laughs> all right, so that's enough from me. Rob, you got any closing words? Uh, I got to say, I enjoyed this. It's been very inspirational. I hope the same for everyone else in the audience. Uh, play with their toys. I mean, 30 mm. minutes, even less, just have a little bit of fun. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's it's been kind of fun to kind of relive live childhood through Stephen's playtime. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. And what's next for G.I. Joe? 
Well, here's a thought. And if you've made it this far, congratulations. Uh, but I'm issuing a challenge. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. And I'm seeing who might, who might pick it up. Of the G.I. Joe podcasters on regular rotation, and I know you're listening, I know you're listening. I would like you guys, I would challenge you guys, to play with your toys and tell us about it in your show. Whoa. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, I know all too well that it might be kind of an intimidating ask. Especially since I've just chronicled for the last hour and a half, like my playtimes, um, it doesn't have to be that. It could be five no. minutes of you just saying, "Yeah, I picked up my steel brigade, and he was great to play with, and yeah, I put a gun in his hand and broke his thumb off, and now I, I need another no, steel sad. brigade at three hundred dollars a pop." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know who I'm, I'm aping there. Uh, perhaps just myself, but. I played with like, Minton Cardman. Yeah, <laughs> he lumbered through the battlefield. I'm, I'm, curious, I'm curious to see if uh, if if anyone's going to take the bait, and if you do, good for you guys. That's fantastic. I want to hear about it, and with any luck, so do your listeners. Hmm. Hmm. So challenge issued. Yo, Joe. Play with your toys. <laughs> <laughs> Make them talk to one another. Uh, we're out, boys. Boom. Bye. Bye. Is Ninja running. Paul, where's the where's the thing? You got to do the middle-aged ninja running. I just had to show off that Cobra Infantryman because he's so much fun, and I was taking photos of it while we were doing the podcast. Uh, oh, while I was li- listening to your story, yeah, because you're m- inspiring me to like, I was posing him and making him sneak around my little sound <laughs> box <laughs> that I have set up here. Okay, and so that uh, explains it. It all happened live. Wow. All right. Yeah. Good job. The, you know, cool. I hope I hope you understand, Paul, that the object is not to take pictures or videos and post. But anyways, I didn't write the rules. Do what you want. Have fun with your toys. <laughs> I was just loving <laughs> taking shots. It was so noir. Anyway. Until next time. You know all too well I'm a bloody tyrant. Sick toys. I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. But as I said, (laughs) the challenge has been issued. It creates an interesting situation. I mean, you know, without such a strong personality, I think a lot of things would not get done. So it is appreciated. Uh, Yeah, herding cats, my boys. Hey, there were tense tense, tense times. Joycon 2018. Stone I wanted to, but it was. Like, Rob! Oh. It was worth it. When I <laughs> tell you to give me a left or a right, I need hand signals. Big hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> we missed, we missed the Wendy's. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, can we go to that pick up? Can we go to that pizza hut? Hey guys, can we go to that <laughs> Wendy's? One mistake oh, like, the whole history. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> That's a white well, castle. Can we go to that? <laughs> can't blame you guys. I mean, I, I, I didn't give you many cigarette breaks. That's <laughs> you, you, gave us you enough. may not smoke in the rental. 
Well, uh-huh. you know, with, with the amount of recording Paul Paul bought from that one gas station, I mean, I'm amazed we didn't stop every mile. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that cup was huge, dude. Guys, take this cup, it's as big as my torso. Cup. And, and you know what? <laughs> and the thing is, when we... When we did stop at the at the gas station, um, we filled up one of those, and then when I, f- I like found out you could refill it, like we quickly chucked it down in the parking lot, and they got another one and jumped in the car. <laughs> oh, long live good times. Sodas. All right, we are out. Falshaw. <laughs> Later, guys. Cheers, cheers. <laughs> cheers, dudes. <laughs>